You may be seated. If you were to take a box of crayons or markers tonight and just color our text, you would have to choose a very dark color for the first three verses of what I read. For in those three verses, you find a description of your and my B.C. days, who we were before Jesus Christ, before we were saved. But then you see a blinding flash of color in verse number 4 as God shows up on the scene with those two words, but God. And from that point forth, my, the text brightens and it lightens. And I want to say again, when God shows up, things change. Amen? When God shows up in a life, he changes that life. When God shows up in a home, he changes that home. When God shows up in a church, he changes a church. When God shows up in your neighborhood, Amen. he changes your neighborhood. He found us in four conditions. But praise the Lord, he doesn't leave you where he found you. He doesn't leave you how he found you. He changes you forever and ever. Amen. Does not our Bible say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want to tell you tonight, it's not a religion you need. It's a redeemer. Yes. It's not another system of, of things to do. It's a Savior. Amen? It's, it's, it's not some plan. It's a person. His name is Jesus Christ. That's what your soul is looking for. That's who God created to meet your spiritual needs forever and ever. It's a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And this morning, we looked at the first condition he found us in. If you look at verse number one, notice what's said and. In Ephesians 2, and you have a quickened, the word quickened means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The first condition God finds every individual in who's not a believer, who's not a Christian, is the condition of death. Not physical death, but spiritual death. Dead in trespasses and sins, Amen. And notice he offers a quickening or life-giving spirit. Look what he says in verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love with he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, what did he do? He quickened us together. How? With Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, 1 John chapter 5 says this, and this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath a son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then he goes on in verse 13 to say this, These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have, not hope you get, but know you present tense have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know what I just say tonight? In this congregation of people, we got the haves and the have-nots. Some of you have Jesus Christ. There came a point you saw you were a dirty, rotten, wicked, filthy sinner. You needed a Savior. You took a knee and you trusted Christ to be your Savior. You received Him just by faith. You trusted Him to be the one to cleanse and forgive you. At that very moment, you now have the Son. And at that very moment, God said, you take my Son, I'll take your sin. 
Amen? Yeah. It's an instantaneous event. The Bible calls it the new birth. It calls being born again. Forever and ever, you're changed. There are those of us tonight that have the Son. I was an 18-year-old Marine when I trusted Him as Savior. And then, unfortunately, there could be some here tonight that have never said yes to Him. You've fallen in love with your sin and yourself. You see no need for a Savior. And yet, could I remind you, you're going to die one day. And at that moment, your religion will do you nothing. Your family can't get you out of the grave. At that very moment, you need a Savior who has victory over death, hell, and the grave. And listen, if you have the Son, you have life. You'll never be held in the grave. Amen? But if you don't have the Son and you die without Him, you will miss heaven and go to a place you never planned to go to because the Son is life. And without the Son, you're eternally dead. Amen? And so I just want to remind you tonight, tonight there's the haves and the have-nots. And I praise the, the Lord for the day I saw my need, and I trusted Christ as Savior, and He quickened my dead spirit. But go back to our text. I want you to notice the second condition God found all of us in before He saved us. Look at our text in verse 1 of Ephesians 2. He says, And you hath He quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now watch the second condition. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh, here it comes, in the children of, say that word with me, disobedience. Say that word again, disobedience. What's the first condition God finds you in before he saves you? He finds you in death, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, needing that dead spirit quickened by Jesus Christ. But when you know the second condition he finds you in before he saves you? According to verse 2, disobedience. He finds you disobedient to the Word of God, disobedient to the will of God. You give a rip about who God is. You don't care what He wants. All you know is what you want. You're disobedient to the God who created you. Yep. You know, my question always was, and even when I was lost, Pastor, uh, I was the all-American boy, but I was proud. I didn't care for the things of God. I went to church because Dad made me go to church. I didn't want to go to church for any other reason other than the fact I feared my father. You know what I'm saying? And why was I so disobedient to God? Why did I care not for the things of God? The answer is very quick and very easy. You and I, before we were saved and became believers, were disobedient because we were dead. Mm. I'm going to say that again. We were disobedient to the things of God because we were spiritually dead. Now, Brother uh, uh, Connor, if you could pop up that first little note here. I want you to pull up your little sheet because we want to just go through something here. I handed this out, and if you have a pen, you might want to note something. Let's consider who we are. I've tried to boil us down to a piece of paper. Some of us, we don't even look good as, a, as good as that piece of paper, but here we go. Uh, we said being created in the image and likeness of God means you're a tridimensional being. You have a body, a spirit, and a soul. You possess his essence, you're spiritual because God is a spirit. You created in his image and likeness. The real part of you is unseen. It's not your body, it's a spirit tucked inside. But let's identify these three parts. Here you are. Does everybody know what the body is? Raise your hand. You said, I know what the body is. Amen. You can pinch it. It's, it's the tabernacle of flesh. That's one of your dimensions tonight. And I said this morning, it really doesn't matter what Mary Kay does to it. 
it's going to slowly rot, decay, and go back to dust again. Amen? And, you know, it is rotten. It, you, you don't bathe for a while. It starts smelling. You know what I'm saying? It's slowly under the curse of death. That's your body. Does everybody know what your spirit is? That's the forever part of you. Soul. Amen? No, it's different than the soul. The spirit is that forever part of you that's the essence of who you are as a created being of God. God's a spiritual being, so are you. Ecclesiastes 12, we saw that when someone dies, the dust returns to the earth as it was. I'm quoting scripture, but the spirit returns unto God who gave it. You see, you're really not a body with a spirit tucked inside. You're a spirit with some dust wrapped around it. And one day when that body decays and dies, the forever part of you goes back to God, either dead or alive, depending on what you did with Jesus Christ. Rejected him or received him. Amen? All right, so we know what the spirit is. That's a forever part of you. But what's your soul? What's your soul? Preacher, you can't answer. Somebody just, a layman, somebody tell me, well, what's the soul? All right, what is your soul? Just give you a chance. Oh, okay, all right. Somebody add to that. What's your soul? All right. Yes, sis. Your there it is. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You might want to write that, write that down, all right? It's your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions. It's the makeup of your personality, if you will. Uh, sometimes in Scripture it's referred to as your heart. It's that rudder inside of you that moves you. You know what I'm saying? I like to give it this label. It is your, you ready for this? Thriller. Your soul is your thriller. Amen? It's that part of you that, that gets enthused about something. That's your soul. That's, that's the essence, that, that union of your spirit and your body. It's your soul, all right? And uh, let me say, everybody has a thriller. It just takes certain things to find it sometimes, Amen? Now, I don't know, but do we have any college football guys here? You like college football? All right, what's the team everybody likes? Give me, give me, key. what's that? <laughs> Boy, that was almost sounded charismatic. We have, all right, so you're Penn State? Yeah. Penn State. Yeah. Well, well, well. Ohio State. Do we have any Buckeye fans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that Big Ten, isn't it? Yeah. I'm Minnesota Gophers. That's a weird mascot, the Gophers, but I'm a, Min I'm a Minnesota guy, so... Uh, all right, but so Ohio State Buckeyes and uh, Penn State. Let's just set a scene to find out if there's any such thing as a thriller. Penn State and Ohio are in the national championship. Penn State's the power, or, or Ohio's been the powerhouse, and Penn State is kind of just at the very last, got rated fourth, and so they made the playoffs. And man, nobody expected Penn State to do anything, but man, here they are. They won the first round. Now they're heading to meet the powerhouse Ohio State Buckeyes. Buckeyes are favored by at least 20 points. But Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Warnick, you know, he's a diehard Penn State fan, so he's got his house all decked out in Penn State colors. He invited the whole church over to watch the national championship. He's got the grill going. And by the way, thank you for a wonderful meal today. I failed to say thank you. Appreciate that. That was a blessing. And all the sermon illustrations I'm going to have for the next church. I enjoyed every bit of that. But uh, so pastor, he got it decked out. He's got the big screen TV, man. He's got this baby railroad. Come on over. We got the brats, the burgers. I mean, this is our tailgate party. Come on over. And man, don't you know, the first quarter, man, it's, it's, it's 14 to nothing. 
Second quarter at halftime, it's 21 to 3. It's like Penn State didn't even show up. Ohio's just steamrolling them. And, of course, your whole church is in love with this, and you're not very happy you invited them. But about the third quarter, something weird starts happening. There's a couple of fumbles, recoveries, run back for touchdown. This thing winds into the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, the underdog Penn State, man, they're like two points out. They got the ball last possession. There's about three seconds left on the clock. And they're going to try to kick the game-winning field goal from the 45-yard line. Mm. Man, can't you, just, can't you just get the setting, man? Ohio State fans are like, you've got to be kidding me. It shouldn't even be this close. And all of a sudden, your pastor's got a prayer life that's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, he's doing everything, man. He's just like, oh, oh, and can't you hear the announcer? All right, if Penn State pulls this out, this will be the comeback of the ages. He said, they're giving the count. He's off to the right hash there. This is going to be the longest kick. This kicker's never kicked one this far his entire career. Oh, the snap is good. The kick is up. He said, it looks like it may have the distance. And all of a sudden he does it. It hit the upright and, ah, he says it goes in. Oh, right there. There's your pastor. Ah! Ah! He's kissing the cat. He's drop kicking the dog. What part of him is talking? That's his soul. Amen. That be his thriller. Y'all with me? Don't tell me you don't have a soul. Everybody got a thriller. You know what I mean? Some of you ladies are sitting there going, oh, you have got to be kidding me. I'm so sick of football and this season coming up. Let's talk garage sailing. Oh, oh, we can do that. It's Saturday morning. You ladies are up well before the crack of noon. It's Saturday, man. It's garage sale day. You're up early. You've got all your money compartmentalized. The $1 bill quarter's over here. So when somebody says, what you got? You say, well, I got 50 cents. Yeah, that compartment. But you know, you don't have to lie. So you go out on the garage sale. The very first one, you get into this garage full of junk and full of stuff, and you look, and whoa, over there, under the 50-cent pile is a $50 item. You see it, man. You see it from a distance. You trained your daughter. She's right there with you. You're closing in on it, but you see a little bitty coming along. She sees the same thing. Here comes a teenage girl. She's homing in. Y'all get there at the same time. Time, and your hand boom, grabs it first. Boom, boom, boom. Ah! You get on the phone and say, guess what I bought? What? I don't know, but it's a deal. What part of you is screaming out right there? Your soul. That's your soul. Y'all with me? Yep. <laughs> don't tell me you don't have a soul. Something thrills you. And that thriller is your soul. Now watch this. Get your pens ready. I want you to catch something here because you and I need to recognize the spiritual battle that's taking place. Here's how it works. The world, get ready on the next slide, the world speaks to your soul, your thriller, through your body. Next slide. Pow. But God speaks to your soul through the, next slide, spirit that's been made alive. You catch that? Go back one slide. The world speaks to your thriller through the body. But God speaks to your thriller through your quickened spirit. 
But what was your spirit before you got saved? Dead or alive? Dead. Dead. The only way you could get a thrill out of life was through carnal, worldly, fleshly means. You couldn't get thrilled unless you're sitting on the internet and porn. You couldn't get thrilled unless you're going to the bar getting drunk. You couldn't get thrilled unless you're listening to your music at the concerts. Y'all with me? I remember those days. I remember when I was lost as a farm boy. I'd get the radio and I'd start surfing. I'm looking for something to get a, a thrill. Man, I'd come across somebody singing Amazing Grace. Oh, he gagged me. I was past that, man. I had to do a thing for my thriller. I hear some preacher, you've got to be kidding me. Give me Wolfman Jack, Casey Case America Top 40, man. That's what my soul was looking for because I was spiritually dead. I could only get a thrill out of my body, out of carnal worldly means. I remember in the Marine Corps. The radio wars, I, I played with the troops all the time. They'd turn their filth on, man. they just jack it sky high. I'd change it when my supervisor went out of the shop. I always say, what is with them? What do they hear in that junk? What is that? Why do they love going out to the whorehouses? Why do they always want to go out and get drunk? I'll tell you why. Because they were spiritually dead. The only way they could even get any thrill out of life was through carnal, sensual, ungodly, worldly means. See, some of you wonder why your setting is the way it is. Man, you, you like to do good, but you just can't help yourself. You're just filthy. You want to know why? You're still, still spiritually dead. You've never been made alive. You've never been quickened. Nothing thrills you except sensual, ungodly things and the fulfilling of your lusts. Now, go to 1 Corinthians. Watch this. In a single verse... The Holy Spirit of God boils down everything I just said in the last 10 minutes in one single verse in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Watch what's said here in verse number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14 says this. It says, but the natural man, look up for just a moment. 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural man. What is the natural man? That's the individual who's spiritually dead, flip back one slide, who's spiritually dead, but physically alive. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him. They're a joke. I remember joking in church. I remember mocking the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Hey, it didn't mean a thing to me. Their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're spiritually discerned. You know, before your spirit is made alive, before you ever trust Christ as Savior, the best you can do with spiritual things is tolerate them. But they'll never thrill you. Never. You'll go to church because you have to, not because you want to. Amen? I, I think of the rest home services we would go to. My children, our children would sing for the nursing homes at least once a month when we were on the road. And you know, they, <laughs> be quite frank with you, they, they could care less for my preaching. They want to hear kids sing. You know what I'm saying? My kids would go in there sing, and sometimes there'd be somebody, man, you didn't know if they were gone or still with you. I mean, I was, you're, you're going to check a pulse. You know, they're like, 
They look like they're just, they're all curled up and gone. But they start singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, that little flower would just start opening up, wanting to sing. Though they were physically almost gone, inside was a, was a spirit that wanted to sing along. That song was written for the children, but those words, if you get saved, will never let you go. Could I tell you something about your quickened spirit? It never gets bored with the song, Amazing Grace. Never gets bored with spiritual things. It never yawns at the thought that Jesus saves. Your body will, but your spirit never will if it's been made alive. And I watch our churches in America today. Could I be quite frank? We're losing the next generation of young people. I mean, the gray heads are getting grayer and the church is dying now because the young people, they just don't give a rip about the things of God. They're all into materialism and carnal, natural, physical, financial things. That's all they're feeding. And a lot of times what we do, mistakenly, we say we need to get the young people, so let's give them their music. And we bring in contemporary Christian music. We bring in rock music and sprinkle Jesus' words on it. And you know what? The young people suddenly come alive. Whoa! They respond. But all they're doing is the old thriller. It's just getting thrilled by carnal things. Amen? It's just still getting thrilled by carnal things, not the words. It's the music that's the number one message. And the spirit is still dead. You know what I say? Preach the word of God. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Aim for the dead spirit. Let the spirit of God hang them over hell and show them who they really are. Dirty, rotten, wicked, filthy sinners that need a savior. Quit trying to placate that old nature. Just go and preach the word of God and trust the spirit of God to quicken the dead spirit. And when that dead spirit gets quickened, Jesus makes sense. Amen. Amen. You don't have to leverage people in the church. You don't have to bring out the popcorn and the candy. I mean, they are going, man, I was heading to hell and now I'm safe. Jesus makes sense when you get born again. Amen. The question I have tonight is, have you been born again? Have you been quickened with Christ? Has God changed? You ready for this one? Your default setting. Mm. Go to Romans 6, watch this, and I want to move to a, another point before we close. Look in Romans chapter 6. Notice in your Bible, and people have said to me all the time, man, I don't know how to believe. Listen, get in the Word of God. Amen? This is a supernatural book. Amen. You say, I don't even know where to begin. There's 66 books in that Bible. Where do I start? The book of John. Just start reading the book of John. Amen? Amen. That book is powerful. Amen. I want to say this. My, my son, Kevin, called me about four months ago. he just come from a father-son outing. They had kind of a retreat time. And he said, Dad, the most amazing thing happened. He said, we had a young man there. He was probably 28 years old. He'd been in the gang for most of his life. He ran the streets. He was a gang member. He was raised in a Christian home. He knew the gospel, knew the truth. But he rejected God, and he began to run with the gangs. He gave his testimony that one night he got on the wrong side of town. He got on the rival side's turf, and he was all by himself. And they caught him and liked to kill him. Put him in the hospital. Almost killed him. And while he was lying there, his grandfather came to him and began to witness to him and said, what would have happened if you'd have died? He said, man, I'd have gone to hell. He said, don't you think it's time to be saved? He thought about that for a moment. He thought, yeah, maybe I ought to get saved. And then he said, my heart revulsed at the thought of getting saved. I didn't want to turn my reins over to God. 
I didn't want his son to be the king of my life. He said he just revolted in horror at the thought of turning his life over to this God whom he heard as a child and this Jesus Christ who died for him. But his grandfather left him a Bible, and his grandfather left. He said, I'll be praying for you. And he's laying in that hospital bed a couple days later. He said, I got nothing better to do. I might as well start reading the Bible. He said, I begin to read the Bible. And after a half a day to a day, all of a sudden my heart began to warm. I couldn't explain it to the things of God. I'd, I began to want to read some more. And he said, I begin to read more. And three days later, I got saved. You say, man, I, I don't see it. Get in the Word of God, you will. Mm -hmm. I don't sense there's a God. Get in the Word of God, you will. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's quick, it's powerful, it's living, it's not dead. It's meant for your spirit. It's meant for the spiritual things of God. Amen? It will open your mind to another world and cause you to trust this invisible God. Amen? Shut your TV off, open the Word of God. Get out of your smartphone, open the Word of God. You want help from God? Get in the Word of God. That's where you'll find Him, the Word of God will tell you about God. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yeah. And so here we are. Look with me in Romans chapter 6, and look what the Bible says. It gives you a glimpse of what happens when somebody gets saved and how God changes their entire life. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 17, look what's said here. It says, But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And in context, it's talking about being saved, trusting Christ as Savior. And then he says, being then made free from sin. Look at this. Ye became the servants of righteousness. Wow. Man, before you were saved, you know what your default setting was? Sin. When you woke up in the morning, what did your mind go to? How to fulfill your lust. That was your default setting. Self and sin. When you went to bed at night, what was your last thought? Self, sin. That's what you thought about, amen? Can I just tell you, if I want to find your God, all I have to do is first get your checkbook or credit card, amen? amen. Second of all, see where you spend your time. Amen. And thirdly, find out what you think about all the time. That's your God. Amen? That's right. amen? amen? Where your treasure is, your heart is. Where your time gets, that's your God. What you think about when you go to bed at night, your last thought at night and your first thought when you activate, that's your God. Tell me I'm wrong. Amen? I was in an African-American church right now. They'd be waving the hankies. Yeah, son, you're talking. I preach in the hood sometimes. They'll talk to you. Do you know what your and my default setting was before we got saved? Sin. Self. Whatever we were addicted to, that was our last thought at night, and that was our first thought in the morning. Our default setting was sin. Now, you can override a default. Amen? Who are my geeks? My eggheads. Connor, you can override a default, right? That's right. I remember when I was lost, when my grandmother walked in the room, I could quit F-bombing the room. I could quit swearing when Grandma was there. Y'all with me? You don't think I had a filthy mouth before I was saved. Because grandma was there, I could force myself, you know, not to swear. 
But as soon as Grandma left, man, I just slid back into the old habits, my default setting. I could go to church if I had to. I didn't really want to, but I could override it and look spiritual. But you leave me to myself, man, I just slid into a whole other realm. You know what happened the day you got saved? God changes your default setting. Where you used to be a servant of sin, now you become a servant of righteousness. You don't wake up figuring out what's in it for me. You wake up trying to figure out how to serve the Savior who saved you from your sin. Oh, you can override that default. You can still sin. You all with me? You can do, could I get a witness there? You can still sin. Don't look at me like you don't do that. You can. It's not perfection, but it is direction. You won't be sinless, but could I add this? Once you get saved, you will sin less. Because someone bigger than sin is now inside you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You see, tonight, did you notice, I didn't ask if you prayed a prayer. I'm asking, did God extinguish your darkness? I'm asking, did God give you life inside? And I'm asking, did God change your default setting? He takes you from death and he gives you life. He takes you from disobedience and he makes you a servant of obedience. And watch this as we close tonight. Notice what's said here. He goes on in Ephesians 2 and he says this. Ephesians chapter 2, go there, we're almost done tonight. In verse 1, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And watch verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were dead, disobedient, depraved. Our thought life was filthy. Amen? It was filthy. We could put that on a movie, it would have been triple X. Our pride and arrogance was unparalleled. We thought we were God. We don't need a God. We were dead, disobedient, depraved, incapable of pleasing God. Romans 8, 8 says those that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's all we were. We didn't have a quickened spirit. We couldn't even please him. And because of that, we were appointed to destruction. We were that dead sheep that I shared this morning that brought no pleasure to God through our sin, disobedience, and filth, and death. We were a stench in the nostrils of God. He got no pleasure out of us. The only pleasure God would get one day if we stay in that condition is the discarding of the carcass. I want to say to you tonight, there's nothing about you that's pleasing to God. It's Christ in you Amen. that pleases God. Amen. Amen. It's, tr- it's true. We get this idea there's something about you that just makes God want to fawn over you and somehow bend his nature to let you in. It's not going to happen. He's a holy God. All sin demands payment. You refuse the son who pays for your sin, then you get to pay for it, and you don't have the innocent blood. You're going to spend eternity in a debtor's prison called hell and then the lake of fire. You will not change the nature of God. Mm, It's a spiritual impossibility. You will not bribe your way in and cause him to fawn over you 
unless you have the Son. And if you have the Son and His righteousness, you trust Him as Savior, the only good thing in you tonight is Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. And on His merits, you get to go to heaven through the Lamb of God slain for your filthy sin. The holiness of God and the love and mercy of God, they kissed at Calvary. I could have never dreamed up this romance story of how a sinless God could get a filthy, wicked sinner to be reconciled to himself forever. It had to come through someone who would pay the price, take the death and move it to life. His name? Jesus Christ. Yeah, he's God's offer to you tonight. Amen? And listen, tonight, as we close this thought out, here's my takeaways. Flip your little piece of paper and write three things down. Number one, number one, the first takeaway in this lesson is this. Your greatest need tonight is Jesus Christ. Just write that down. Number one, your greatest need tonight isn't financial. Your greatest need tonight is not emotional. Your greatest need tonight is, is, is not physical. Can I just remind you, you know, we want God to deal with our concerns, and God wants to deal with our condition. We want God to deal with our lack of happiness, and God wants to deal with our lack of holiness. Amen? And our lack of life. Your greatest need tonight is Jesus Christ. He's God's answer. For the death, the disobedience, depravity, and destruction that awaits you in your current natural sinful state. But second of all, I want to just say this and cut to the chase. Praise God for those two words, but God. Amen. Just write that down. Praise God for those two words, but God. Because he didn't have to visit you. He didn't owe you a thing. Amen. He could have left you to yourself, but he chose to become a man and die in your place to give you the shot at eternal life. Praise God for those two words, but God. But thirdly, here's the big one, and I close with this. As Christians, those of you that are saved tonight, those of you that have been born again, as Christians, you don't owe the flesh anything. This is big. As Christians tonight, you don't owe the flesh anything. Go to Romans with me and watch this as we close tonight. In Romans chapter 8, look at how the Holy Spirit of God says this. In Romans chapter 8, look at what he says in, in verse, uh, verse number 10. Romans 8 and verse 10. He says this, and if Christ be in you, isn't that something? The day you get saved, he takes up residence inside you. What a blessing. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Romans 8, look at what he says in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. That thing's still dying, amen? But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Watch verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Can I just say this tonight? Look up. Christian, those of us that are saved and born again, we don't know the flesh a thing. That flesh is dying slowly. It didn't give you a thing. 
The part of you that's really alive right now is not your body. It's the quickened spirit inside you. Amen? Amen. You don't know that flesh a thing. It's the quickened spirit you owe everything to. That's the part of you that's really alive. Amen? And yet we live in a nation today that's so enamored with the physical. We live in Christianity today that, that they're just so enamored with material things. They're so enamored with, with the body. Just walk through a Walmart and just look at the magazines that are there, self and me. And, and it, it's all about the decaying flesh. The part of you that's really alive right now, if you're saved, it's not that body. Oh, you'll get a new one one day, but it's not now. It's that quickened spirit inside of you. That's what's really alive. That's what you owe everything to. Amen? Amen? And our focus should be as follows. Go to Corinthians. Look with me. Final verse. I'll be done. Look at what's said in 2 Corinthians 4. Because of that, here's what our focus should be. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, the Bible says this. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16. For which cause, 2 Corinthians 4, 16, we faint not. Watch this now. Look at how this, all the puzzle pieces just go click. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, your body's decaying. Guys, your chest is going to the drawers. You get up and go. It's got up and went. Y'all with me? Your outward man is perishing. I don't care how many vitamins you take, Shackley, Mary Kay, it doesn't matter. It's just going back to dust. It's perishing. Watch this. Though our outward man is perishing, look at what he says. Yet the inward man, that's the quickened spirit, is renewed day by day. And for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, this existence on earth as believers wandering through this land till we get to the promised land, is but for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Look at the focus, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen those are eternal. Christian, what's your focus tonight? Brother Connor, pop that last slide up. Go click, click. Click, click. There it is. What's your focus? What are you feeding tonight? Now that you've been made alive and you're quickened. What's your priority? Is If you were to look at the time you spend in the course of the day... Do you find that really you're like the world, just getting all your thrill and joy out of this life? It's the majority of your focus, even though you've been made alive and you can hear the things of God. You're just living for now. You're focusing on the temporal, like most of America is. Or are you focusing on the eternal, the quickened spirit? You can't see it. It's invisible, but it's real. The dream is this life. The reality is the next one. Amen? And as I close that thought out, you just, got, you just got to stop and say, hey, how would you feed a quickened spirit? Where would you go to get your quickened spirit fed now that you're spiritually alive? First of all, you would go to the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Amen. 
That feeds quickened spirits. It's the eternal Word of God. Amen? It's a spiritual book, not a carnal book. Amen? You go to the house of God. You hear preaching. Amen? From the Word of God. That's where you go. You're, I'll guarantee you, I did not feed your flesh tonight. I, and throughout this day, we focused on eternal things, invisible things, real things like Jesus Christ. They're real. Heaven's real. You come here. He say, well, I want to feed the flesh. I want to get a thrill. My thriller needs uh, some food, and I'm going to go through the body. Where would you go for that? Probably one place you'd go would be your smartphone. You spend time on your phone. I guarantee you, most of the time you spend on your phone is not feeding your quickened spirit. It's feeding your flesh. Amen? Amen. Could, it could be news. could be sports. could be things worse. But yeah, with a push of a button, you can be there to feed your flesh. Amen? I, I believe tonight that most Americans and most Christians, you want to feed your flesh, flip the TV on. Most of the time, that's, you'll be, you aren't going to feed your spirit. You're going to feed your flesh. Amen? Could I get a witness there? Amen. Yeah. Amen. You want to feed your flesh, you go to talk radio. You get a good mad on about stupid politicians. And that's not news. All politicians are generally pretty dumb. (laughs) Almost without fail. They'll never let you down in the dumb category. (laughs) I like to say it this way. You saw a sign in North Carolina that said, Tired of the elephant and the donkey? Try following the lamb. Mm. Amen. That's a good thought. That'll preach. Amen. Amen. I think if you go to your TV, I think if you go to a sporting event, I think if you go to your smartphone, I think if you go to talk radio, you're probably going to feed your flesh. That's where your energy is going to go. That's where your thriller is going to get. But if you go to the Word of God, the house of God, the things of God, you read missionary stories as we drive. My wife loves to read me missionary stories. Hudson Taylor, Real Lives, It's Sold Out for God, the book Respectable Sins that challenges me spiritually. That's where you'll get your quickened spirit fed. Amen. Your appetite will tell me much about who you are and where you're going. And so tonight, those of us that have been made alive, we have a choice. Do we just sell out to America and feed the flesh? Or do we get serious about the part of us that's really alive, not the part of us that's dying? And we determine we're going to chase God and follow Him. And we're going to feed the quickened spirit inside of us with spiritual things. It's your choice. You'll be as spiritual as you want to be now that you're saved. But appetite will determine the depth of your Christianity and the strength of your spiritual walk. It will determine how far and how effective you'll be serving your Savior now that you belong to Him. Amen? Amen. I pray you've been quickened tonight. You've been made alive. You'll have to come to Jesus to get that. I can't make you alive, but Jesus Christ can. But if you are alive, my prayer is your focus isn't the flesh. Your focus is the quickened spirit, and you're much about feeding that, not the temporal thing that slowly dies. Amen? Amen. May faith be your focus in the things of God. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord.